This podcast is brought to you by Earth's Brew, the plant-based taste of Nirvana. Frank, this is an all-natural, plant-based relaxation tea that comes in a little powder packet, 15 calories per serving. And I tell you how I uh, utilize this in my personal life. You know, I'm I'm not a drinker. I'm a vegan. Uh, so I don't like artificial sweeteners and, and flavors and all that kind of stuff. You don't get any of that uh, with Earth's Brew, but you get all the, the benefits of the relaxation with it. And, you know, last night I was doing the UFC press conference, and, uh, you know, the fights end at 10, uh, press conference starts at 11, it's midnight, 12.30 by the time you're out of there. I knew we were going to get together very early this morning to do this special edition of the podcast. I got to wind down. You and I are very much like that, where we're all like kind of, you know, keyed up, our minds are racing and stuff like that. We don't just, uh, head hits a pillow and we're asleep instantly. So, uh, I like to mix up a little, uh, earth's brew and, uh, it's a great way to unwind and relax at the end of your day, whenever the end of your day comes. And I know you've experienced that as well through training and jet lag with having to travel for commentary gigs and things like that. Absolutely. Anytime you, after you're done training, you know, you're traveling, uh, you know, obviously getting to sleep at a decent time is of utmost importance for recovery. And if you have a mind like mine and Richard's, you know, you're racing in thoughts, you're thinking about things, nothing better than to take a, uh, you know, Earth's brew, throw a little bit in some water and you'll be able to get a good night's rest because it helps just kind of shift you into that mode that you're going to just uh, be able to wind down. And the fact that it's only 15 calories, uh, you have no guilt as far as putting on any extra weight, especially late at night, you don't want a really sugary or a high caloric uh, drink and, uh, and if you're interested in it you can try it out just go to uh, the uh, Earth's Brew uh, webpage if you enter phone booth you can get a 10% off earthsbrew.com 10% off with the promo code phone booth exclusively for phone booth fighting listeners you'll feel the effects within minutes it also boosts metabolism and focuses the mind to enhance work school or play i mentioned uh, it's compatible with vegan diets also compatible with uh, low carb keto uh, or a lot of other uh health conscious diets uh no problem incorporating earth brew into that go to earthbrew.com promo code phone booth for 10 percent off for phone booth fighting listeners thanks to earth brew for supporting phone booth fighting oh. Welcome to Phone Booth Fighting, everybody, your twice-weekly destination for talk of the mixed martial arts and everything in the world beyond. I am Richard Hunter, sitting in Frank Mir's chair. Sitting over there in Frank Mir's chair is Jennifer Mir, Mrs. Mir. Nice to see you, Jennifer. Hi. And up here on our uh, big television screen, normally seated where I'm seated, is uh, Frank Mir. Frank is checking in live from his hotel bed. And uh, Frank, where are you right now? Uh, right now in Sheffield in, uh, in, in, in England. Okay, Sheffield, England. And uh, what time? You just arrived over there, right, from Turkey? I did. We just got in. It's, uh, it's uh, 6 in the morning or 5 in the morning. What time is it? It's early. Okay. Yeah. Can you uh, can you hold your phone up just a little bit? Uh, stretch your arm out a little bit so I can see Brian Lacey next to you. Where is he? I don't see him. Where's Brian? He's up there. He actually had a. He, I, I thought my trip was miserable. He had to leave because Wednesday night we called the fights in uh, Antalya, Turkey. It was the first ever MMA 
professional MMA event ever in the in Turkey. Yeah. And uh, he actually, as soon as the fights were over with, went to the airport and had to take a flight to Istanbul, four-hour layover, and then landed in uh, uh, Manchester uh, yesterday at 9 a.m. And then I just stayed in, uh, in, in Antalya uh, with uh, Herb Dean and the, and the rest of the crew, and we stayed there till last night at about 11.05 at night. We flew out of uh, Antalya. And then landed in uh, Manchester at uh, you know, 3.30 in the morning, went through customs, and had to take a one-hour drive to get here to Sheffield, and now we're here. Man, this sounds so complicated. I, I, I would eventually just, you know, I don't, in the old band days, Frank, we had a road manager, and the road manager was responsible for keeping track. He was basically the mom. So it's like all you had to do was just wait for him to be standing over your bed uh, when it was time to go down to the get in the bus, but you guys don't re- you guys there's more responsibility involved than that, right? You don't really have a, a road man. You don't have a road mom, do you? No, you got to kind of figure out how to get from point A to point B without going to different countries. In fact, actually, I'm kind of upset because I didn't realize uh, in Turkey, flying into any like uh, Britain or I guess the U.S. If you you have to pack all your electronics in your checked luggage. Oh so- yeah with my backpack and they took my chargers and my uh, little uh, battery pack that I'm quite fond of that <laughs> helps charge all my uh, my phone and whatnot uh, they, they deemed it could have been a dangerous weapon so can you take the phone itself into the cabin or no yeah, that's it nothing bigger than a phone though wow so you got to make sure you're fully charged uh-huh yeah, you can't have no wires, no charge. I thought about that. It was a four-and-a-half-hour plane trip, too. I was like, I looked down at my phone. I was like, at 50%, they're taking the batteries and everything. I'm like, right, this might be a little hairy once we land. Your clan could be right in the middle of a clash, oh, and all I of know. a sudden the battery goes dead, and you let a whole village down. I, I got in trouble earlier because I What'd called. And he pushed me through. Uh-oh. He gave you the old push through? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but when he's out of the country, I, it that could be, when we're here, I know what the push through means. Yeah. Since he's battling, but out of the country, it could be something else, and he answered the phone. <laughs> God damn it, You, I just lost the battle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before Frank drifts off to dreamland there, and uh, Mrs. Mir and I, forth for uh, the remainder of this episode of phone booth fighting we've got some mixed martial arts to talk now i taped an interview with john volante uh, a little earlier today he's going to be taking on patrick cummins in the feature bout of ufc uh, fight night long island which goes down this saturday night on the big fox network so we'll be hearing that but the main event I know Frank is of interest to you. You're uh, fond of, of Chris Weidman. He's uh, taken on uh, Kelvin Gestelum, and Kelvin is a guy that you have experience with. We've talked about this in recent weeks on the Ultimate Fighter. His season of winning the Ultimate Fighter, you were one of John Jones's uh, assistant coaches. So uh, an important middleweight fight, uh, not only for the former champ, Chris Weidman, but also for Kelvin Gastelum, who, you know, for so long was not only a welterweight contender, but just seemed like he was right on the, the cusp of knocking on the door of a title shot as a welterweight. But because he kept missing weight over and over and over again, he was banished from the welterweight division by the UFC and told he would uh, heretofore be a middleweight. So that being said, Weidman and uh, Gastelum, what are your thoughts? 
Well, I think that, you know, I keep saying that I don't bet against Gastelum anymore. I learned my lesson. But uh, I just think this is a very difficult fight for him to win as far as, uh, you know, I think that Chris Weidman does everything that Kevin, Kelvin does. He just does it a little bit better. And the fact he really is a true middleweight. He has, he's going to have one hell of a reach advantage. And I'm assuming strength and, and just his movements. And just uh, there's just too many reasons why I think that, you know, that, that, that Weidman has an advantage. Uh, you know, the wrestling, his boxing, and, and these things that, that Kelvin does extremely well inside the cage also. It just really, I think, is going to come down to the fact of, uh, you know, the, the case of a welterweight that's really good versus a middleweight that's really good and the bigger guy's going to win. Yeah, it's um, it's a fight that, you know, obviously I don't think was on anybody's radar uh, up until very recently. And it's it's really we've come to this point because of Gastelum's weight cutting issues. And that that seems like that's never a good sign. You know, if you're going to move up in weight and take on a former champion, uh, typically that's the sort of thing that needs to be because you've cleaned out the lower division and not because you were having an issue at the lower division. So you're, you're going to have to concede some weight and move up. I thought you were going to say not because you cleaned out the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so uh, that's going to be a bit of an issue. You know, it's also interesting, Frank, to see how the UFC is just going all in on New York State. I mean, they are making up for lost time because for so long uh, MMA was uh, not sanctioned there. Now that they've got the go-ahead on that, of course, they kicked it off with the big Madison Square Garden card. But, you know, you've had guys like uh, Chris Weidman, uh, like uh, John Vellante, who I'm going to talk to here uh, in just a bit, that are Long Island guys that have never gotten a fight in their hometown. I mean, imagine if MMA had been sanctioned in New York State back when Matt Sarah upset George St. Pierre, you know, and then he could take the welterweight title in there. I mean, that's an opportunity that uh, unfortunately was lost to time. Yeah, and uh, I think that, you know, they put so much effort and time trying to get it legalized there that absolutely correct you know they're just trying to take advantage of you know a lot of money was spent and and uh time to get it done so i think now they just want to take advantage of it as much as possible especially before some of the other bigger organizations well you've already seen you know bellator going in there so i think now they're trying to uh you know establish a foothold like they have in las vegas yep we uh we're, we're gonna come back to uh that john Vellante interview here in just a bit uh, before uh, uh, Jennifer and I take over. But I also want to make mention that uh, UFC 215 now has a, a pair of title fights as is, as its uh, main and co-main event. You know, I was looking at this. I think I was sitting up in the, uh, in the press box at uh, UFC 213, and I was just looking ahead. And the Edmonton card, uh, which is going to be uh, September... Um, September 9th at the Rogers Center, Rogers Place. Uh, really, I think at the time the main event listed was Junior Dos Santos and uh, Francis Ngannou, and I thought, well, they're going to have to put something else here. But they delivered in a big way because not only do we have Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson defending the flyweight title against Ray Borg, we've also got the rescheduled women's bantamweight title fight of Amanda Nunez taking on Valentina Shevchenko. I want to ask you about the Mighty Mouse fight first because, Frank, you and I have said over the last few weeks that this was as it was as it's supposed to be. There was all the the 
fluster around possibly uh, pressuring Mighty Mouse to fight uh, TJ Dillashaw. UFC wanted it. DJ didn't. He wanted to fight a true flyweight for this uh, potentially record-breaking title defense to snap Anderson Silva's all-time consecutive title defense record. So it looks like it's worked out the way it's supposed to uh, to be, at least from, from my perspective. Your thoughts on him uh, getting that flyweight f- title fight against Ray Borg? No, I agree with you. I'm glad that the, the, the narrative of this fight will be about uh, Demetrius Johnson taking on one of the top contenders for his weight class and breaking the record for you know, continual, uh, you know, continuing defenses of the title. Uh, uh, had it been any other fight... And just the extra, not that I, I'm not opposed to him eventually fighting DJ or TJ Dillashaw in an upcoming bout. I just didn't want that to overshadow his accomplishments and, and what he was pulling off. And so I'm glad now that, you know, hopefully, you know, the narrative can be about not that he was fighting against the UFC, not that he's finally standing up. Hopefully now we can just get on board that, you know, we're about to see something probably done in our lifetime that's probably never going to happen again and, and see a guy, a champion in the UFC, defend the belt 11 times in a row. Also, is the co-main event on that card, Amanda Nunez is going to take on Valentina Shevchenko. Now, this was supposed to be the main event of UFC 214. A couple of uh, weeks ago, I was there live in Las Vegas, and it uh, was actually pulled uh, basically day of fight. In fact, it was uh, the same exact day that we were announcing here on Phone Booth Fighting that your uh, release had been official from the UFC. We were here in the bunker taping the podcast, and when I emerged from the bunker to start uploading the episode, all of a sudden I'm seeing that that night's main event had been scrapped due to Amanda Nunez's uh, illness. And, you know, there was a lot of heat over that. I mean, um, Dana White was uh, his his typically, you know, can- candid, unvarnished self expressing his disappointment <laughs> that night at the press conference. And, and uh, some other people felt differently about it. Some other people felt that, you know, Amanda Nunez, hey, if you're not, you're not feeling up to fighting, you're not feeling up to fighting, and, and maybe you've had some, some health issues. Looking back on it now, what, what do you think about that, Frank? I mean, I know that you fighters always say that there's just never a time where you go in 100%, 100% healthy, nothing's affecting you in a fight. But, uh, you know, under the circumstances, could you, could you see yourself in any similar scenario no i would never have pulled out from a fight unless especially too because uh she was medically cleared that's the part yeah right that's the part that's kind of rough i think for the fans is that it wasn't a health issue where you know the doctors are warning her hey we gave you a you know our 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 thought or our suggestion is for you not to compete that is our prognosis and you know and quite the opposite you know she's being told by the medical you know staff the doctors like hey you're clear you're good to fight you might not feel great but you know that's just part of life and i think that a lot of people can kind of relate with that that you know there's times you got to get up in the morning or you got to go to work and you don't feel good you don't want to be there but you know we can't all just call in sick and i think when you're the champion there might even be more incentive to have to go out there and defend the belt um because it just it, 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 i don't know it just it, it looks bad uh, it's hard to defend nunez in this situation I, I don't agree with her decision to pull out of the fight yeah and you know dana said that night uh to us in the press conference that 
Uh, he was not going to let her main event again, a pay-per-view. And that's that's a big deal when you're the women's bantamweight champion, you know, being told that you can't do a, a main event of a pay-per-view. So I think fortunately for her, this scenario works out where, uh, you know, the, the men's flyweight title is on the line. It also helps then because, uh, you know, th- those haven't always been the best-selling pay-per-views. So you're getting two title fights together instead of one. And also the pressure isn't going to be directly on Nunez main eventing. Obviously, she can't pull out of this one, but it gives it kind of a reset, you know, a reset without this having to be the thing that's the whole pay-per-view is going to be uh, built around because fans who were, you know, either purchased it or were on the verge of purchasing it the last time around might still remember, uh, might still kind of have a bad taste in their mouth from that, I think. Yeah, and... I still feel bad for Shevchenko. I couldn't imagine training for the fight, getting prepared like that. And, you know, when I, I've had a similar situation where the very first time I was in a fight with Tim Sylvia, uh, months prior before our actual fight, uh, he wasn't cleared. The commission didn't clear him to fight. And we didn't know about that until about two weeks before. Mm. And that was heartbreaking information to get, you know, that close to a fight. Uh, but I can't imagine it being the day of. And on top of that, it wasn't my opponent's decision not to compete. He wasn't allowed to compete by the commission. Here in this situation, again, I'm just, I just—I can't get over the fact that Amanda Nunes, you know, as the champ, pulled out of a fight that she was cleared to fight in. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice to see that's been rescheduled. Uh, we all eyes are going to be on DJ that night to see if he can best uh, Anderson Silva's title defense record. You know, that's one of those records, Frank. That you know, there's certain records like in baseball that just they they talk about them as being uh, un uh, unbreakable. Uh, Cy Young's all-time uh, win record, simply because starting pitchers don't work as often uh, anymore in the modern era as they did back in his day. Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hit streak is another big one. I mean, that's one where uh, you know people get halfway there and the press starts talking about it because it's so very unlikely that anybody's going to come close. And uh, you know, I, I think we're looking at a situation if if Demetrius can do this. Where, given that you know Anderson Silva's at a at a point in his career now where he's he's not going to go on another run like that. I mean, there's not even anybody. Um, I don't think there's even anybody you know on deck. You could say that would be the next person to challenge that. No, nobody right now. And and the crazy part is it it, it very well could add five six more continual mm. to this. I mean, we're, we're talking about it being untouchable if he breaks it at this point, because you imagine, you know, uh, Demetrius is still a fairly young athlete and, and mixed martial artist. Uh, it's not like he's knocking on the door of 40. He has three or four more years unless he decides not to compete. And, you know, you're talking two fights a year. I mean, very, very conceivable that he puts six more on top of this number that we already have. And, and, and then it just becomes just, you know, no chance at all that you would think that anybody can come close to it. So uh, here's here's what uh, we're going to do for the next week or so with phone booth fighting before we uh, let Frank go here just to bring listeners up to speed. Um, so Frank uh, is going to go from Manchester to he's coming to meet us in Disneyland, right? We're going to see you on uh, Monday. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Okay, well, it's a it's a phone booth fighting field trip, the first one ever <laughs> to Disneyland. Looking forward to this, and uh, we're going to be in Disneyland for a couple of days, Monday 
through Monday and Tuesday. And uh, I'm going to bring the mobile podcasting equipment because we're thinking we're not going to do like full episode or anything, but we're thinking maybe one night we just do a little roundtable review of Disneyland. Maybe we get the kids on, see who, what everybody's favorite ride was. And, <laughs> and it doesn't uh, feel like it's a full phone booth fighting trip, though. We don't have Travis going. We do not have I Travis know. going on this I'm one, of course. Travis, that Honestly, I'm thinking that, you know, Travis is now fully a part of the crew. Yes. Well, what what we're going to do is I was thinking that, uh, you know, maybe on, on the next one we plan to bring him because at that point he's not just going to have that lower patch on his uh, vest. He's going to have the top, <laughs> right, the phone booth fighting because right now it just says prospect, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so he'll be able to wear his full colors at uh, Disneyland because they're big fans of that. So uh, we'll we'll do that. And uh, one other surprise for you, Frank. Just uh, today, I don't know if you heard the big news across the pond there, but O.J. Simpson has been paroled. Did you hear about this? Oh, I didn't hear that. Yep, O.J. got his wow. parole. He will be officially released from prison in October. And so today, I've been planning to do this for a while. Today. I officially started working to get OJ on the Phone Booth Fighting podcast. I don't know if he's going to go for it because there's a lot of money offers out there for interviews. But you know what? There was a lot of money offers for interviews uh, years back when he sat down with one Richard Hunter for uh, about four collective hours and let me ask him every question under the sun. I, I, by the way, I keep promising to re-release those tapes. I have to find them. They're, they're, I have them. They're not lost. Don't worry. They're on a hard drive. I just have to get them all polished up, and then one day we'll have a special phone booth fighting edition of my OJ tapes, uh, the interviews. But I am working to get him on uh, as a guest, and uh, if, he's, if, he's got, uh, if he's got any loyalty to him, Frank, he's going to remember the guy that gave him uh, a fair shake the, the first interview that he did with me. So we'll see what we can do. Did you even hear that news over there? Was that uh, – or was, was some team winning the cricket championship uh, – uh, burying that thing in the headlines. I, I caught it. I saw it. And then also, too, well, you know, it was due to your text that uh, made me laugh when you told me that it was in time for the new uh, <laughs> release of the Bronco. Oh, yes. That yes, that was uh, that was uh, Travis's uh, oh, Tra uh, text, by the way. And I, I enjoyed his... Uh, I, so, so the deal is, I guess, that Ford is re-releasing the Bronco. I didn't even know it had gone away. That's how not a, much of a car guy I am, Jennifer. I didn't even know we didn't have a Ford Bronco anymore, but apparently it's gone. Now it's coming back. And uh, I like Travis's wordplay in the group text because Travis claimed it was not a mere coincidence. Did you notice yeah. that? That was good. <laughs> All right. Okay, Frank. Well, we're going to let you uh, get some sleep. Uh, careful about snacking off of the mini bar. It's stuff super expensive over there. The The little pack of peanuts is like nine bucks. So. <laughs> Be sure to, to bill that to the promoter if you do eat it. All right. Uh, hey, one more. Hey, you know what? Do me one last thing, Frank. Plug the Amazon banner. This is always your part of the show. I have to tell you, the Amazon banner is doing very well. We appreciate you guys clicking through it uh, at phoneboothfighting.com to do your Amazon shopping. And, you know, uh, I can actually see the purchases that people make. Oh, really? Yep, I can. And uh, oh, I, I don't... Yeah, nervous about purchasing shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we don't have anything too embarrassing that our our uh, our fans purchase not that i can tell but there are curious i like for i don't comb through them or anything but uh i do catch little glimpses of things here and there and for some reason i noticed today that uh somebody out there purchased a pittsburgh steelers garden gnome 
and <laughs> and because they are loyal to That's the phone awesome. booth fighting podcast we got a few pennies off of the Pittsburgh Steelers garden gnome. So uh, I, I don't know who bought it. I can't really, uh, you don't see that. You don't see like who the people are, but whoever you are out there with the Pittsburgh Steelers garden gnome, we appreciate <laughs> you thinking of phone booth fighting when you made that purchase on Amazon. So Frank, uh, to conclude your portion here, go ahead and tell everybody uh, how you get to that Amazon banner and why people should click through it. Yeah, just anytime you click through on our website and click the Amazon banner and make all your purchases through Amazon, you can be able to help support our show in a way that uh, you know it contributes uh, very greatly to us. That's it. Then cost you anything extra? Go to phoneboothfighting.com and shop away on Amazon. All right, let's uh, say good night to Frank here. Jennifer, do you uh, need to pass any information to Frank? You need to pick anything up on the way home. Any <laughs> anything he needs to know? No, he's okay. All right. Do you want? Uh... Want me to text you after? Yes, love. Okay. Okay. All right. Love you, babe. You get this part where you say you love her too. Oh, I'm sorry. I give it the blow the kiss. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, we, we got, couldn't see. Yeah, we, we got choppy video over here. So uh, <laughs> you don't. There I you love go. you. Babe. Okay. All right. Okay. Good night, Frank. There goes Bye. Frank. Oh, they're in uh, Manchester. <clears throat> All right. Very nice. Well, he seemed to be in good spirits for. Not all things considered all yeah joining me on the guest line now is uh the man who's going to be in the feature bout of ufc fight night long island this saturday night on fox the big fox network he's going to be taking on patrick cummins it's john Vellante. john good to talk to you again man how are you good stuff man i'm doing all right <laughs> Well, looking forward to seeing you uh, back in action Saturday night. In fact, uh, you know, I, I was looking forward to this fight when it was originally scheduled. You guys were supposed to f uh, fight back in December, and uh, Cummins got a staph infection and, and, and pulled out pretty late. And you've had two fights since then. I wanted to ask you, you know, your 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 mentally game plan back then and everything and, and, and prepped and trained for Cummins. Uh you take a couple of fights since then, so you're staying busy. So when the fight gets rescheduled, can you kind of put yourself back in that middle place of, you know, okay, I'd, I'd already trained for this guy, or is it kind of like starting over since you have a couple of more opponents in between now and then? Um, I don't know. I mean, a lot of guys train specifically for each opponent. I don't really train specifically. <laughs> yeah. I train the way I'm going to fight. And, and I'll make, make the guy adjust to how I'm going to fight. So, um, you know, I train the same for every fight, no matter who it is. So I did a little bit more wrestling in this camp because he's, he's a you know, pretty prolific wrestler. But besides that, nothing's changed, man. I'm going to go in there and hit him harder than his man. That's really <laughs> the plan and the game plan every time I fight. Yes, you're speaking of your power. His his last three losses have all been by knockout. Twelve of your fifteen wins come by stoppage. Do you think that that makes him particularly susceptible to being KO'd by you? Uh, I mean, he's been KO'd by some some pretty good dudes, some pretty good strikers, and I'd hope to put myself, you know, on that level with those guys and show that I have the power, if not more than most of those guys. So, um. Yeah, I mean, that's the plan is to go in there and knock him out. I'm not a, not a submission guy. I'm not going to go for takedowns, really. You know, I'm, I'm in there to uh, bang it out and have uh, a fun fight that all the uh, the fans in my hometown could enjoy. Yeah, you you, you mentioned his, his wrestling prowess. He does, he's got a very mm -hmm. high takedown average, 6.15 6 
per fight. So you're anticipating that same kind of aggressive takedown approach from him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've fought guys like that before, and I'm pretty good at stopping the takedown, and I think uh, I'll be able to do that. Um, if not, he's going to catch some good shots on the way in. Now you train with Chris Weidman. Uh, that's got to be handy when uh, Chris is in the main event uh, against Kelvin Gastelum. How many cards have you guys been on together? I couldn't think off the top of my head. Has this happened more than a f- once or twice? Um, well, the first three fights of our career, we both, you know, we never had any amateur fights, either one of us. Yeah. We both had our pro debut the same night, back-to-back fights. First and second part of the night, um, and then we've probably been on uh, maybe three other cards besides that together. But those are ring of combat days before the UFC. So oh. is that that was it really? Just those early days in the ring of combat. So I, I didn't realize this is the first time this has happened in the UFC. How does how does that feel to you? I know a lot of training partners. You know they're training in the same room, like it when they're on the same card because everybody's kind of at that that same level and same mental place. Yeah, it's good. I mean, you kind of hope you peak at the same time and, you know, just try to push. And he's got a five-round fight, so if I could try to keep up with him to do some of that stuff that he's doing for five rounds, I'll be okay for three. I know it was uh, a big deal to him to get to, to fight in Long Island. It's a big deal for you as well. You guys are uh, from, from the same place. What uh what was the process? You know, he he was very front and center on that whole uh, getting MMA legalized in New York and all that sort of thing. That must have been very frustrating for you too. Uh, what what was that process like? Waiting to have it happen and and the feeling once it it was it was cleared. I mean, you know, I was getting uh getting older. You know, I'm 31 now, so it's like, geez, it's ever going to happen before I retire and. You know, I would have liked to have seen it. It seemed like there was a lot of uh, just, like, corruption or something, like, yeah. where they, they want I mean, if there's corruption on the MMA level, there's probably corruption on all sorts of levels in the government. So it's crazy to see that type of stuff happening and have it happen firsthand to you, kind of. But, uh, you know, just have faith in, you know, Dana and Lorenzo at the time. They got it done, man. They did, they did a great job, and I'm... I'm happy to finally be able to fight it all. You know, back to your uh, opponent for a second, Patrick Cummins. He's he's got this really crazy story getting into the UFC. I, I happened to be at uh, in Dana's office. We were doing a big press thing the day that he got signed last minute to take on uh, Daniel Cormier as a late replacement, straight out of the the coffee house he was working in and all that. Do you remember anything about that story? I mean, he's he's gone on to be a very active uh, UFC fighter, but one of the more unusual stories or pathways to get to the UFC, did, did any of that ring a bell to you at the time, or, or was that something that was flying under your radar? Well, yeah, I knew of Pat because he was also in strike force with me. Yeah. And that was something I was into. He never really fought that much in there. Uh, and I actually knew him. His brother, AJ, was a buddy of mine in college. So his little brother. So pretty crazy when we started fighting. I mean, his brother were in the same weight class. So we'd make jokes. He, you know, I'd tell me to beat up his big brother and stuff like that. So I've known him Pat for a while. And uh, you know, I've got to meet him a couple of times. Good dude. But uh, 
you know, I never really don't like anyone I fight, which kind of stinks. I wish I kind of didn't like someone I was going to fight, but well, Pat's got a cool story. Wish you, him well, and you know, you know, up? you know what I was just going to say. Then that that's interesting because uh, obviously uh, you 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 get along great with guys, and and you you've got this personality because uh, it, it you've got a very roundabout way of like uh, the the. Um, the 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 what am I trying to say the the around the 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 back friendship because it's like you got your buddies with his brother you you're friends with uh, Luke Rockholt right <laughs> so it's like you yeah, can, yeah, you can use yeah. that you can use that charming personality to disarm them right next thing you know <laughs> they're involved in a fight with you or one of your buddies <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it's just it's just who I am I like to have fun. I don't care who's around. And I, I like Kelvin, who Chris is fighting out too. Kelvin's one of my good buddies too. I love the guy. He's hilarious. So, you know, it's tough and it, 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 it stinks to see sometimes, but that's just the nature of the sport. It's just like uh, if we were having a tennis match, you know, we'd be friends after it's the same thing, but we're just punching each other. <laughs> so, well, you just got to think of it as a competition and that's that, you know. I find that oddly charming, uh, just like your. Uh, now, do, you, do you still have the affinity for uh, all the uh, all the Bravo shows, all the Real Housewives shows? That's another thing I always found fascinating about you. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I was actually on Bravo uh, two weeks ago. We we're talking about Below Deck. That's the show where all the bougie people go yachting around the around the country. This time they're going around the Mediterranean. So <laughs> some fun stuff. I like watching it. And it keeps me entertained. You know, it keeps my mind off fighting a little bit. I never, I didn't even know that show existed. See, I learned things uh, from you. <laughs> All right, so so here's the last thing that. So I got a pitch for. I know you've done uh, Andy Cohen's. Uh, uh, watch what happens live a couple of times. I've got a show pitch for him. I want to bounce this off of you since you're a fan. See what you think. See if you think this will flow. Okay? I'll let you know what I think. Okay, so here's the concept. I'm going to call my show. The Real Housewives of Someplace Where the Cast Doesn't Talk Over Each Other. <laughs> Impossible. Yeah. Never happens. We need the, we need the drama. <laughs> we need the drama. <laughs> so you think a situation where everybody just politely waits their turn to weigh in on the conversation would be a ratings flop? Oh, definitely. Without yeah. a doubt. <laughs> right, man, I'm going to stick too, to MMA. Too nice. Can't I'm, be too nice in this place. <laughs> I'm going to stick to MMA reporting then. Back to uh, the drawing board. Hey. <laughs> John Vellante has been my guest. He's going to be taking on Patrick Cummins. Always exciting when he gets uh, in the cage. That's going to be the feature bout Saturday night on Fox, UFC Fight Night, live from Long Island. John, good luck in there. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you, man, and I'm uh, looking forward to seeing you fight again Saturday. Thank you for the time. I uh, appreciate it, man. No problem. Well, yes, so uh, so OJ got uh, got paroled. Do you know the story, Jennifer? You know that he's been in prison here in mm -hmm, Nevada. Mm -hmm. And he's been in prison for nine years now. And he was in, in prison for um, uh, mm -hmm. something that went down actually right here in Las Vegas at the mm -hmm. Station Casino. Mm -hmm. And uh, for those who don't know, Frank and I have talked about this. Um, I think we were maybe talking about it last year. But um, I, I, OJ came on my radio show twice within the last year before he went to prison. And I did probably collectively three to four hours of interviews with him and i'm i keep promising people yeah, that we'll play awesome. the tapes on here and, and we will do it i just have to uh to kind of uh remix them more or less you know yeah. just polish them up for air but um yeah it was uh it was very weird the way that i got him 
Um, I knew a place. Well, first of all, just just going back, and then we're going to talk about what happened today with the parole hearing. Um, you know, the the mid nineties was the ninety five. I think was the the murder acquittal and all that. Mm-hmm. And then you know he just spent these decades kind of being a pariah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew uh, where he was going to be uh, in Dallas. And, uh, he was in town, and uh, I went over, and and um, I don't normally just walk up to people and hit them up for interviews. Normally, you deal like with a publicist and all that kind of stuff. But I had watched every second of that trial because at the time it was happening, I was in between uh, failed careers. I was done being a musician, but I had not yet gotten into radio. So I was working in this coffee house, and uh, I worked the day shift and had this little television on the counter. And of course, OJ trial was on and I'd always fancied myself a, a wannabe lawyer anyway. So I just had that play in all day, every day. I watched every second of it. And I had a real unique opinion about it because while I think uh, instinctively it looks very, very bad for OJ and all the things that mm-hmm. happened and all the evidence that was collected, I could make the clear case for acquittal. For OJ, if I had been mm-hmm. on the jury, I would have voted to acquit him. Not on any gut feeling, not on any they did Rodney King wrong, so now mm-hmm. we've got to pay back. I think that then uh, we, you know, to go step by step through it is a lengthy process, but I think at every turn, the LAPD had contaminated the investigation. So if you're going by the letter of the law, mm-hmm. which is beyond a reasonable doubt, unfortunately. They were forcing some mm-hmm. after the fact manufactured uh, reasonable doubt in your face. Uh, I don't know whether I would have uh, convict. I don't. I don't know where I would have come down if I'd have been a jury member on the civil trial because they didn't televise that. I would have liked mm-hmm. to have seen that. That one you only. Well, he was found guilty in the civil. He trial, was correct. Yeah. Now in in a civil case, you only have to be fifty one percent sure. It's a preponderance of the evidence. So in a criminal mm-hmm. case, I beyond, be beyond any beyond reasonable, reasonable doubt, doubt yeah. right? And and in a civil case, it's just I think it's fifty one percent, you know, against you, and then we find against you. So I I don't know where I would have come down on that, but I do have real strong opinions about this uh, this uh, thing that he just got paroled from, because what happened if you go back almost ten years now is um, he had. Uh, mm-hmm. he had gotten uh, mixed up with these memorabilia guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see this from even from, from Frank's perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, you go on eBay. How many, you know, autographed Frank Mirror, this mm-hmm. and that, is on there. And it's from, you know, you have the collectors. I've been with Frank where that's yeah. happened before. They yeah, come over, they got the, the book. Time. And, yeah. you know, it's we assign these 20 things mm-hmm. for me and all that kind of stuff. And he does it. But, uh, you know, a lot of that stuff had gotten out over the years with, with O.J., and I think because uh, those guys are not always the most reputable people and, you know, O.J. had uh, made some poor uh, decisions, to say the least, uh, uh, probably also in the case of, like, uh, friendship choices. Uh, you know, he would lost control of, like, some of his possessions over the years, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, like uh, family photo albums and stuff like that, storage units that weren't maintained and all that. And so what had happened was in that case – he had gotten word that some of these memorabilia collectors had mixed, had gotten a hold of some stuff, and it was like family photo albums mixed up with sports memorabilia and all that kind of thing as well. 
So he went to he got he got tipped off that these guys were in Vegas and he was in Vegas for a wedding. So uh, the guy who had tipped him off said the who was a memorabilia guy himself said these guys are coming over to my hotel room. Would you like to come over and collect your stuff? And he had shown OJ some pictures of what the stuff was and it's like kids photo album pictures and all that stuff he wanted. So he said, yeah, I will. So they're going to surprise them, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the surprise in and of itself is not illegal. <laughs> the part afterwards. What they surprised him. That's right. That became an issue. Yeah. All right. So so that's that's for. Uh, they were armed. Yeah. Right? That's for in a moment from now. But um, what happened was uh, he, first of all, went to the room that the, the guy that had rented the room let him in. So this is not exactly, it's not like you're busting into someone's hotel room. The person who rented the room is letting them in. He's the double agent here, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, he's inviting you in. OJ had, along the way, one thing about OJ, and I'll, I'll tell you, when all this was happening, this was really crazy. I'll really pull back the curtain here for a second. Because um, I had a, a loyal producer, a guy named Mike Turley, on my radio show, he's the only producer I ever had. He's mm-hmm. he's he's what what Travis is doing. I mean, this is this is what Mike was, and 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 he was great at it, and and just uh, uh, the only the only one I ever had. It, 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 a great producer is a secret weapon to any radio broadcast or these days podcasts or whatever you have. And so when I would uh, become acquainted with an interview subject like an OJ or somebody mm-hmm. like that, um, Mike would always kind of, I'm going to say buddy up, but he would like get acquainted with whoever the helper was, the handler, because Mm -hmm. they correspond on when he's going to come on the show, when we're going to be where we're going to be, you know. Uh, It's like like the two principals uh, getting to know each other and then the two assistants getting Mm -hmm. to know each other. So, So Mike had done that with this guy, Charlie, that was always around OJ. Mm -hmm. Interesting thing about OJ was OJ's entourage was a collection of old white guys. Like, that was the crew. That was the OJ crew. OJ looked like the first black member admitted to anybody's country club, and it's just a bunch of old, shriveled white guys sitting around him otherwise. So so Charlie was one of these guys, and so Mike, our, my producer, and Charlie had, had you know stayed in touch. Well, after this whole bust went down, and it came up a lot. It was, it was immediately uh, a focus on our show because we had just recently had OJ, I mean, for lengthy periods of time, you know, hours uh, at a time with the two visits. Well, Mike, my producer, starts getting these texts from Charlie while Charlie is on the lam because he didn't immediately turn himself in. So Mike is communicating with him after this whole Santa Fe station thing went down. And I told, of course, Mike's trying to get him on the air, you know, to find out what's going on. And I told Mike, I was like, you could end up getting subpoenaed in this thing. Like, you know, they're going to get this guy's phone records. Like, this is crazy. You know, be careful what you're saying and everything. So uh, he eventually turned himself in. Well, what happened was all these guys that were with OJ ended up cutting plea deals. Mm -hmm. And while... Maybe somebody like Charlie, he had known for a length of time. There was uh, the the security, quote-unquote security guy, was some guy who had sort of interloped his way into the circle and said, I'll provide you some security, OJ, 
don't worry, I'll come along with you in case, you know, things get uh, testy with these guys giving up this stuff. And OJ didn't really know this guy. Now, this is no excuse for OJ because, you know, he's been around as long as he has and, and you know, uh, <laughs> gotten the lucky breaks that he's gotten, all, all things considered, based, you know, uh, when you think about what he was up against. He shouldn't have had anything to do with this guy. And I know you've seen these guys, Jennifer, where it's like, they're not they're not security. They're just they're they're big guys <laughs> who played some maybe a little college ball before they blew their knee out and now they fancy themselves, you know, ninja bodyguards, right? <laughs> and you know when somebody let me tell you when when a celebrity is doing security right, you know who their security guys are? Off duty cops. Mm-hmm. That's the only way to do it. You hire you an off duty cop and then that way he's got his badge on him and his mm-hmm. gun and He's he doesn't look he's not wearing sunglasses indoors or any of this nonsense. A muscle shirt. Right. He's probably the most unassuming guy, you know, over in the corner in the suit, but he is there to protect you and more importantly, if anything sketchy ever did happen, he's he's a cop, you know? I mean, yeah. he's got a a reputation to lean on to say here's what I saw and he could, he could make an arrest if he had to make an arrest. But they weren't doing it that way. They had one of these, you know, big diabetes ridden buffoons with him and uh the guy had a gun with him and so they go into the room now if you listen to the tape because because the guys were secretly recording yeah they were secretly recording the whole thing they put a recorder up on top of the the which guys uh the guy the uh the guys that were OJ side or other side the other side those guys Mm -hmm. were recording everything and so they had a, uh, a, a recording of O.J., and this is, you can get it on the internet, it's all public info. In fact, look, maybe look it up there, Travis, while we're at Just look uh, O.J., you know, hotel room heist audio. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Um, but you can hear O.J. on the tape saying, hey, that's my stuff. Those are my kids' photo, you know, photo oh. albums of my kids or whatever. I want those back. The interesting thing is what you don't hear anybody on the tape say is, oh, my God, he's got a gun. Wait a minute. What are you doing with it? Because you'd think if somebody pulls a gun out in a room Mm -hmm. unexpectedly, somebody is going to say something about that gun. Like, hey, okay, easy. Let's put that away. You know, and there's nothing like that. Nothing specifically about the gun. Now, OJ's defense all along was that uh, he obviously he didn't pull the gun, but that he never saw the gun, that this guy sort of pulled it, sort of had it in his hand, but it's not like he was waving it around the room saying everybody down. Uh, he just intimidated, you know, it. by seeing mm-hmm. it, basically, right? So, you know, today uh, O.J. was uh, was saying what a mistake it was to involve uh, that fellow, but at the same time saying, you know, he wasn't the one who pulled the gun or had anything to do with it. Now, here's where... I and I, I want to see what you think about this. You know, I think that this all came down to a make good for mm-hmm. the murder acquittal mm-hmm. because this was a case. The idea that somebody was going to get nine years—I think that's it right Is there. That it? Somebody was going to get nine years in prison for not not pulling yeah, a gun on yeah. somebody, but conspiracy, basically. Uh, let's see if we and actually listen to a little bit oh. of this on and we'll talk. Let's see. Can you hear it? You can steal my shit and sell it. Don't let nobody out of here. You motherfucker. 
Now, granted, there's a lot of uh, sit your ass down and move your ass yeah, over there. Yeah, when they put your back against the wall. Is yeah. that when, you know what you, what you just said? Actually, didn't the judge, when he was sentencing him, say something about your time is finally up? I, I have to go back and read it. But I think the judge actually oh, said something. Oh, something that could be taken as a reference. As a to, reference to. You finally got caught. You finally got caught and you're finally going to yeah. you know, do justice. So. And that's the part. This part is the part that concerns me. Now, you listen to that tape. Listen, they're, they're saying things. And I get that you could argue, you know, even if. Uh, you know, somebody's not pulling a gun on you, but they're a big imposing person and they're mm -hmm. saying, Hey, you don't, we're not letting you out of here. That's what I was just going to say. The yeah. fact that they said, you're not, we're not letting you out. Cause yeah. he got a bunch of different, um, charges. Yeah. So, so, so probably, probably reasonable that, that something happens, mm -hmm. but this idea that somebody's going to go to prison for nine years while the person who had the gun got probation, they got, because they testified against OJ. So it's all out of whack because the guy they really want, the person who's doing the worst, mm -hmm. you know, handling the gun and all, is getting the probation. And here's the interesting thing, too. If you looked at everybody in that room, and because there was a, a hotel room full of people, and you looked up the criminal records of all of them, every one of them but one had a criminal record. And the only one that didn't have the criminal record was O.J., how wow, crazy is really? that? Like, I mean, you think about like how out of whack things are, but yeah, technically, because he was acquitted, he, he didn't have a criminal record. So I just, this to me, it, it should frighten everybody um, to think about what would happen if you got accused of a crime and you had to rely on 12 people uh, who weren't smart enough to know how to get out of jury duty to decide your fate. Now, I want to get picked for a jury, but I'm the only person I've ever known that, that wants to and gets mad when they get rejected. Most people get out of it, and it's like, you know, I said to start this conversation that I could I would make the case for acquitting OJ in the murder trial, but it wasn't, I would bet that most of the, the people who acquitted him, maybe all of them, I don't know, but most of them, couldn't even make the case I would make. I think it's going to be a lot of emotion and a lot of, well, my gut feeling and a lot of that kind of stuff. That's what's scary to me is that people will take stuff into account like that. Like, well, he might not be guilty of this, but he's probably guilty of something. But they did it, but they agreed to acquit him, though. No, the first time. The first no, time. That's what I'm saying. So, but then what, you, what I think you get here, like mm -hmm. in this jury, is a bunch of people going, well, you know, okay, maybe we don't have him, we don't have the gun in his hand and that sort of mm -hmm. thing, but... That's a shady character. He was up to no good. Mm -hmm. He's gotten, you know, he's he's gotten off easy up to this point. Mm -hmm. I think there was a lot of that kind of stuff going oh, through their minds. So from just a pure justice standpoint, it concerns me that he went away for as long as he did. What do you think? I think, too, when he got acquitted, like you were saying, that just based on the facts of the trial and our system. Yeah. 
beyond a reasonable a reasonable doubt he could not be found guilty mm -hmm. but since that time so much stuff has come out it's been dissected it's gone over i mean there's been so much stuff that honestly i don't know i don't know how you can do the jury duty and not have any emotion well you know, be, i know i know you're not supposed to it says yeah. that but it would be really hard to um I, I did have this thought today because I was thinking about that kind of. I thought, you know, normally what they're supposed to do, because in this parole hearing, as I was listening today, the uh, the chairman of the parole board brought up the fact. She said, all right, Mr. Simpson, we have uh, letters that support your parole, mm -hmm. and we have also some letters of some people who are objecting to it. But most of those objections reference accusations of the past and yep. we cannot consider that now that's that. the way it's supposed to be but if you think about it if you're trying to seat a jury of 12 people to render a verdict on this memorabilia heist thing in theory you're supposed to find 12 people who don't already have an opinion about the defendant Boy, good luck know, doing that. Where, yeah, I was just going to say, where, where, do you do you, find where do you find and, them? And you know what most of the time they do is they go, okay, well, if we can't do that in this particular county or this particular area, we'll move the trial. Mm -hmm. There's no place in America no place you can move, move it. There's no place in the world you could move it. No. And, of course, you got to have it in the United States. So it really is a weird position for somebody to be in like him, where you, you cannot get you know, a, a, a jury, a, a purely uh, impartial, yeah. unaffected jury anywhere in the world and you're accused of another major crime it's going to send you to prison for a decade. But I almost feel like he became even more guilty since he was acquitted. Um, like I feel of, like that, like the public. I mean, through, oh, with for the, sure. across for the sure. nation, across the world. You know what was so weird, and this is this speaks to just the 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 cult of personality in our celebrity culture. In the time that I sp I was in public with him a couple of times, mm -hmm. we were in private for the interviews, and then I was in public with him, like in restaurants and bars and things like that. And everybody in the room had an extreme reaction, but it mm -hmm. wasn't always the angry reaction. So here's how it went. There were people who you could tell were just, if they weren't getting up and leaving their table in the middle of mm -hmm. dinner when we sat down, they were thinking about it. I mean, you mm -hmm. could just, you could cut the tension in the air mm -hmm. with a knife. But you know what also happened? Dozens of girls who were too young to remember the OJ trial, I mean, girls that were probably... 21, 22, coming up, stuffing phone numbers in his pocket, wanting to hang out with him. Oh, yeah. Frank him. and I have a story, actually. Uh, when hmm. we first started dating, um, we went to where, the Ghost Bar. Mm -hmm. And it, it was just Frank and I and some friends. We went there and we walk upstairs. They take Frank, you know, like to a table. Mm -hmm. And there's O.J. Simpson. Hmm. It was so weird. Mm -hmm. But it was the same exact thing. And... I was guilty of that too. I was, I think I was just so taken back mm -hmm. that he was there and I didn't have a good reaction mm -hmm. that he was there mm -hmm. and he was surrounded by like eight blondes that yeah. were like 22 to 27 maybe. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's crazy mm-hmm. to watch, and mm-hmm. and you see it, and you're like, you can't, you're not even fawning over him because of his his football career. Like you're barely old enough to, re- mm-hmm. you know, you you were probably a kid when the verdict was rendered, but it's just that he is some sort of celebrity. Yeah, I was just going to say in this town. I mean, yeah. it's if you're just some sort of yeah. anything, you yeah. know, they I, flock. I saw him as a. I will tell you this about him. Mm-hmm. People talk about how charismatic he is. That is a hundred percent true. Is it? It is a hundred percent. Yeah, they true. say he's really charming. Yeah, he he's will. Very personable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I immediately saw what what people talked about when they talked about that. But I saw him as a puzzle. Like I saw him as all right. There is somebody. To, I don't know that I've ever. I don't. I've never been in the. You know, I've I've never been uh, shoulder to shoulder with an accused murderer before. I haven't. I mean, through my whole life, that's never happened. Now, I'm sure, you know, who knows, you know, the people that we bump into every day and we don't know what they've done. I mean, we've probably been around people who murdered people and got away with all the time. But that was something, I mean, how many times in your life can you say that for certain? Hey, this person, you know, just as close as you and I are sitting here, Jennifer, um, this person was accused of a a double murder and tried for it. And, uh, but... I might have actually done it. And might have, right. (laughs) But here's the flip side. Either this guy that I'm next to is killed two people brutally, got away with it, and is walked around every day. I think at that point it had been like 13 years or something Mm -hmm. since the verdict. Mm -hmm. He's either walked around every day guilty as hell and just lived his life and, you know, looked people in the face and kept going like a psychopath. Or... He didn't do it, and every day of his life for the last 13 years, people look at him all day, every day, like he's the scourge of the universe, and that's weird. That's, like, mm-hmm. totally unique. Who else has that kind of existence? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, uh, regardless of where you come down on it, and I'm not saying, believe me, I'm, I don't make the case for his innocence. I make the case for the Justice. jury, if they're following the mm-hmm. instruction mm-hmm. of the judge, to mm-hmm. to acquit him, and that's it's it's a lengthy conversation. But one of these days, I'll I'll I can lay it out for you. What I want to do, I want to I want Frank and I to get John McCarthy in here because John was a cop on the LAPD uh, when all this happened. Wow, really? And John, yeah, I heard John talk about this. I don't know if it was on Rogan's podcast. It was on someone's podcast, but he said for, he firmly believes OJ did this. Uh, but he got called. To I want to say one, if not several, of the domestic disturb violence uh, disturbances mm-hmm. called out to the house, and and John's words, as I recall, the way he put it on the podcast, he said, "Hey, he goes, you know, I was guilty of that, just as some other officers were." Where it's like, "Hey, it's, it's OJ," you know, like we weren't there, we don't know exactly what happened. There was some sort of argument between her and him, and and we don't really know. And all right, OJ, you know, knock it off. You got to go cool out. Like basically, kind of handling him with kid gloves, 
you know, and he was, you know, friend of the cops. And, you know, there's, there's, I think he had like cops over to his house for pool parties and stuff like that. I don't, I don't know if John was doing that, but I just remember the general sense of what John was saying was that, yeah, there was just this kind of idea that, nah, you know, it's OJ. I mean, he's, he's ultimately harmless or whatever. And, uh, and now he, he regrets that, but I want to get, uh, him on with, uh, with Frank and I, Mm -hmm. because I, I want to kind of walk through my perspective of this because, I had never had anybody other than a lawyer tell me that they agreed with my position on it as far as why you would acquit them, you know. Um, but it, it more than anything, it just it scares me that, you know, he had the, the dream team of lawyers. I mean, mm-hmm. he spent the millions and the millions on the legal defense. How many people out there? And we know there's plenty of legitimately wrongfully accused people. I mean, whether or not that's the case with OJ, we know there's plenty of them out there. How many wrongfully accused people go to prison for life? Sometimes they end up on death row because they don't have those millions of dollars to spend on that dream team. How many of them? I mean, there's the there's 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 way more cases uh, of that than there is some situation like OJ, where a celebrity gets lucky enough to, you know, have the money to spend on a on a defense. It's scary. Have you ever been called for jury duty? Um, yeah, I have. I got out of it though. What did you did you get out of it without having to go, or did you go in and then nope. got released? Got out of it without having to go. Okay, interesting. Because mm-hmm. you go in and they uh, they uh, this the story makes Frank laugh, but. They, I've been called three times now, and I get rejected every time, and it burns me. It burns me, and I, I ask, I've asked lawyers before. I said, "All right, what's the problem? What, what do they have that I do not have? What is going on here?" And lawyers have said to me, "They go, okay, well, um, uh, what were you wearing?" So, you know, I wore a suit, tie. Oh, well, okay, right there. I go, what's the problem with that? And they go, well, they that looks like you're you're sort of two together. Like, they want people who look like they're moldable and easily influenced. And, you know, that way the jury can kind of, you know, play tug of war with them and, mm-hmm. and just sort of easily get them to, you know, go whichever yeah. way the wind's blowing. And uh, so, What well, does that look like? What me in a suit? Easily no, oh. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, um, easily moldable. Well, like? I think it's it's just kind of a lot of guys. First of all, there was a lot of people who looked unhappy to be there, you know. And actually, those are probably the people they want, uh, you know, that just look like uh, they're easily distracted. You know, mm-hmm. they look bored. There, that there's another thing too. They said, well, when this was going on, because you go in different stages mm-hmm. uh so it's like you make one cut and then you have to go to another cut mm-hmm. and then before you get to the final 12 and um they said well what were you doing when the lawyers were asking questions so i said well i was taking notes oh well now right there <laughs> i got that reaction they're like oh. what do you mean I go well obviously the lawyer the, this is lawyers telling me this they go well, a lawyer isn't going to like that. They see you taking notes. If they uh, contradict themselves, then you're going to go back through your notes and refresh your own memory. Mm-hmm. They don't want any of that. They want to be able to, you know, cover up their mistakes from day to day because they count on you forgetting. And then I had a lawyer say that the other thing they look for is they don't want somebody who's going to take over a jury. And mm-hmm. and the lawyer told me that I would do that. 
He said, mm. he said, he said, you're going to, like, have you noticed how I've dominated this conversation? He goes, <laughs> he goes, you're going to dominate, you, you're going to, you're going to take it over and you're going to, you'll, you'll be like a foreman and, yeah. but you'll influence everybody I and you'll campaign and you'll, but that's what they're supposed to do. I mean, this is so, the idea of what so you want. Have you thought about what's, what's. How to dumb it down? How, well, not just dumb it's it down. It's my curse. I can't. Not just dumb it down, but just kind of be neither here nor there. Yeah. You kind of just walk in with your tennis shoes on. You just say dude a, a lot. backpack. Yeah. yeah. And just, you know. Maybe next maybe time Maybe ride a bike there. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I'll I, I tell you what, the the last time, the last time made me angry than any other time because I had made it to the <laughs> final 24. And so I had a 50-50 shot of getting uh, picked. And it was a it was a horrible. But it's, you don't always find out what the case it is. It needs to be right like away. a reality show. Mm, yeah, the right. Final twenty four. Yeah, it's like it's like the it's like uh, uh, it's it's like a, a weird legal version of The Bachelor where I never get a rose, <laughs> you know. Uh, but it was the last time that I went. You don't always find out right away what the case is, right? So they there actually went back for a second day. So uh, you get the second day call back. I'd sat there all day the first day. They bring back the second day. They're whittling it down, whittling it down, whittling it down. And um, they actually, at some point, they will tell you what the case is about because they need to figure out if anybody has How prejudice many, in yeah. it, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, we find out at some point that it's, a, uh, it's like a, a, a child sex abuse case. You know, oh. the war, just like the worst thing you can think of. So oh. right away, there were some people who just were like, oh, sorry, can't, you know, I can't be objective on that. So they get excused, right? Okay. So I'm, I'm there uh, still. And, Could you um, be ad- objective Well, on I think that? I can be objective. Yeah. I mean, in terms of now, obviously, I think you did it. I'm throwing the book at you. But if you mean, can I see, can I hear that someone is accused of this? Yes. And, and, and see the. And consider, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, yes, I could see do the, that. See all the facts. Yeah. And... Could be wrongfully accused. Yes, mm-hmm. I could, I could hear this out. So uh, we find out that's what it's going to be. So we get down to the final 24. And the uh, the the lawyers have a certain number. You actually see this in like cop and court shows. Sometimes they get a certain number of um, they call them uh, preemptive strikes or something like that, where they can just for no other reason go, uh, you know, Travis, jury number twenty three, you're excused for whatever. They don't like your hat, whatever it is. They can do that, and there's they, they don't get to do it uh, indefinitely. There's only a certain number that they get to do that with, but they do have these sort of like chips that they can mm-hmm. play, right? So uh, we're sitting there, final 24, and uh, one of the lawyers goes, uh, all right, let me let me ask a question of uh, the the pool. If, uh, I mean, some, you know, it's like a nine-year-old or something. He was like, if a, if a nine-year-old doesn't specifically say no to sexual contact, do does anyone here think that they are at least partially at fault? And this one guy raises his hand. And they go, okay, well, you're excused. And Wait, then, yeah. He, <sighs> I mean, yeah, that was the, I mean, it's an absurd question. But certainly, if there's anybody on the jury that thought that, you would not want them on the jury. So the lawyer asked the question. I think it was the prosecutor asked the question. And this knucklehead raises his hand. They're like, all right, well, you're excused. And then the defense lawyer goes, and juror number 11, and points at me. You're excused. And I had, I didn't raise my hand. I had to, to, you took a walk of shame. (laughs) I had to ride the elevator down to the parking garage with that guy. 
the guy that got cut for raising his hand. I was just looking over there going, look at this knuckle dragger. And they just, they cast me into the abyss with him. I wonder, though, if he really meant that or if he just raised his hand because he won't. You know, most people yeah. I've never, most people I've met don't want to do the jury duty. Yeah. What a weird You're question. First. I know. I That's was like, a kind of creepy I question. had barely gotten over the absurdity of the question, and then that guy's raising his hand. I wouldn't like hand. to do that one because you have to, the facts. Oh, yeah. No, it'd be, it'd be awful. Yeah, yeah it'd, it'd be, be awful. Rough. And I'm not, I actually would not, that's it's that's part of it that I wouldn't, I'm not saying that would be enjoyable, but I do, I think I would at least feel a sense of pride in, in doing that duty. You know, mm-hmm. I would feel like, hey, I'm doing something useful yes. and helpful yeah, and, the, you know, yeah. that part of it would, would not be enjoyable. But I do think that the the process of it is something uh, that I've always wanted to do. But man, it just, it scares me. I think, you know, to, to sort of uh, draw a correlation, and we just saw this in the last uh, election season. To me, the scariest thing that happens on any of the cable news outlets is when they gather the the uh, group of undecideds together. Like they'll have the presidential debate, so like the election's going to be in November, and they're having a debate, you know, on uh, uh, Halloween week, and uh, they get like twenty people on on CNN or Fox that are undecided, and they're all sitting around, and they ask them after the fact what they think of uh, the debate, and to hear just the 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 level of retardation like just to hear what sticks with some of these people on both sides i mean this isn't a you know right republican democrat this is just like some of the reasons you would hear people supporting trump were as absurd as some of the reasons you'd hear people were supporting hillary like that they would you would hear it and you would go that's what you took away from this debate you just watched that whole thing for two hours and you picked up on this thing or that thing and that's what you're going to base your vote on and the closer to the election it gets the dumber they get because these people i mean it's like you are you know you're right on the you know it's the 11th hour and you still haven't made up your mind, and it's going to be the weirdest. Back to the juror, back to the one who just will, you know, the wind will shift directions, and their whole, you know, their whole mindset will change right along with it. It's unbelievable. Well, this election was a circus. It was. It mm-hmm. was. It was. It was really something. And we are living in. Uh, you know, these are amazing. How aware of your kid? How aware are your kids, Jennifer, of what's going on right now? Do you think? Um, of what's going on right now. Three kids, and what are yeah, the ages? Yeah, because it's uh, 14, 11, and 8. Okay. During the election, very aware. The yeah. school that they go to, I mean, Bella and Cage and even Ronan, they were having debates at lunchtime, uh-huh. you know, at recess, at kids were, you know, Bella said, I mean, they were so, you know, they were just so divided. And mm. so, you know, there's a lot of um, Middle Eastern, Indian, mm-hmm. Um, at Bella's school, and yeah, they were, they you had were the very kids with opinionated. The make and... this playground great again hats. That was it was very, <laughs> very. I don't uh, know if anybody had any of those polarizing. But, but they were very aware. We you know they would come yeah. home when we were talking about it. They were discussing stuff, you know, with the teachers. But now, like in the last couple months, probably not. Yeah. It, I don't know what would be going on in a kid's history class right now, but I would be so interested to know because, I mean, this is something, no matter how all this works out, 
this is rarefied air that we're in. I mean, I the you know I was a, a baby when uh, when Watergate and and the Nixon administration happened. The first president I can really remember is Gerald Ford. But um, but you know, having read so much about it and everything, this just doesn't happen. I mean, this is like a no, once in a lifetime of, yeah. kind of thing that's going on. Yeah, and I think uh, when I was born, Jimmy Carter, I think, was the president. Yeah. Were you born? You 74. Were, okay, yeah. Uh, no, Nixon was. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Nixon. Uh, Till what year? Uh, well, no, no, that's not right. Because Nixon left office in uh, yeah, I was, 73. I, I, you were probably right. I'm you were probably right about yeah. when Ford became June. president. Carter was elected in 76. Oh, so yeah. you were you were right on the cusp of, depending on when he resigned and when you were born, you were probably right on the cusp of uh, Nixon and uh, and Ford. Yeah, so the only scandal I grew up with was Clinton. Yeah. Which wasn't real. I mean, I know people get upset. I mean, that wasn't really, I mean, his personal life really, I don't feel it's, like affected yeah. or affects his presidency. But this right now, and you know, I... Frank and I, we talk about it too. I thought by now, usually everyone, whether you like the president or not, or whoever got elected, you move on by now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's just, it's like, I don't, I feel like it's more of a circus even now than it was the election. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. true. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's, you know, you've got a, you got a big personality in there. That's a big part of it. Uh, an unconventional one. That's another part of it, to say the least. But you you have a real unresolved issue. I mean, this isn't just about somebody winning and somebody losing. I mean, you've got a really serious accusation of foreign involvement in an election. I know. And that's got to be cleared up. I mean, it's it's something that, uh, you know, we just we just never really dealt with uh, before. And then I think, I honestly think that, that the, the, the biggest thing that hurts Trump right now, if I were to think like a Trump supporter for a second, One thing. yeah, is I think the biggest thing that hurts him right now is that he is not leading the charge to get to the bottom of foreign involvement. Like mm-hmm. if he were doing, if he were the banging the drum, the hardest saying, mm-hmm. Uh, this is we're not going to have this if if there is anything you know maybe there's nothing mm-hmm. but if there is something we're getting to the bottom of it i will not rest you know it's mm-hmm. the integrity of our electoral process and our democracy etc cetera, etc cetera. but you got the guy who everybody's looking at going eh, it's i don't it's maybe maybe it did uh, what's the big deal it's <sighs> i don't it's going to be all right you know don't worry get some other things and uh that i think makes people a little nervous you know, mm-hmm. and so I think people want that cleared up because it could be there's you know, it could be the other side next time. I mean, mm-hmm. it could be uh, if a Republican should worry about this just as much as Democrats, because if if the result of our election is not is not uh, confident, you know, that's what happens in third world countries. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, guy, Saddam Hussein won yes. elections. Yes. I mean, yep. there, you know, mm-hmm. it's just that uh, it's just that the guys who were running against him just never mm-hmm. seem to be able to mount much of a mm-hmm. resistance. You know, well, and I just think now, too, we're going into August. It's just a mess. Like, I just feel like nothing's coming together. 
Where, at all. Every time. I mean, nothing. It's just like the more stuff tries to come together, more stuff comes out or he tweets something or he's attacking somebody. And, yeah. you know, I mean, Fra you know, Frank and I were for Trump. We we wanted Trump to to win the election. And now I think I believed that it was kind of like his shtick, like his gimmick, like that's what was going to, you know, he was going to be the person that stands up and says things that nobody else does. I really thought that that was his personality to to win the election. He just was going to do what nobody else has done. Mm -hmm. And then once he would win the election, okay, now we get down to business. But Yeah, I think a lot of people thought there was mm -hmm. going to be a pivot. There was going to be a, I really this is all that, just yeah. the sales pitch. And yes, then it's a, and he's, he's a yeah. businessman and he's, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I you know I think it's some it's you know what 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 is 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 he's a salesman, and this is you know there was a sales pitch, and I think if we think through our own experiences, how often we've heard a really good sales pitch, we've bought the product, maybe we haven't been dissatisfied with the product, but yet we have noticed that once we had the product, the sales pitch was you know maybe uh, a, a certain percentage of it little, was. Yeah exaggerated and if you take it to an extreme degree you know it's one of these things where it's like you know uh grab your microphone there Travis. let me, let me ask you uh, a question so i'm gonna guess that uh you know day in and day out over the years uh on the construction site you know people talk shop people get frustrated it'd be better if something was run this way or that way or we get caught up in red tape with permits and all this kind of stuff right yep so so i can probably show up and with my uh, dynamic personality, start uh, uh, <laughs> proselytizing to all of the construction workers about how it's time to shake things up. You know, the problem, let me, let me talk to you, Travis, for a second, if I can, uh, because I'm asking for your vote. Uh, the problem here at uh, this construction site is that for too many years, the insiders... Okay, the construction site insiders, the, the, the guys uh, who have the whole system rigged in their favor have been telling you what's best for you. All right. And I'm here to tell you that it's time to change that. It's time for a change. It's time to shake this thing up. It's time for somebody to come in that's not afraid to say what's on their mind. I am not afraid to put this hat on here, this hat uh, that's uh, uh, got my slogan on it. I want you to have one of those. And uh, I want you to uh, elect me because I'm going to come in here and I'm going to turn this thing on its ear and figure out what the hell is going on, right? <laughs> and I'm going to get everybody worked up. Now, here's the problem. If enough of you guys elect me, then sooner or later, I got to get behind the earth mover. And when I do, you're going to, when I ask you, where's the ignition on this thing? I, a look of horror is going to come over your face, right? Yeah. I mean, that, 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 exact, <laughs> that exact scenario has played out quite a few times on the construction site. Really? You know, uh, somebody will come in, has interviewed for a, for a, a management position. Mm. So, has oversold themselves. Okay. You know, and then yeah. when it actually comes down to it and they get out and open up the plans and they're on the site, it just doesn't work out so well. I mean, it, it, it works itself out pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and listen, this is coming from somebody who can make a, a pretty good bullshit, you know, <laughs> a, a pitch in an interview, in a, in a job interview, you know, if I, if, if I, I think if I wanted to, but it's like, that's the thing. That's the thing you got to be aware of. And so, you know, it's, I just hope that anybody, especially young people who are experiencing this right now, no matter how it all turns out, are just taking it in 
because it's something you'll never forget. I mean, this kind of stuff just doesn't happen. You know, scandals happen. I mean, mm-hmm. at different administrations have scandals and things like that. But like you mentioned, the Clinton thing. The Clinton thing was supposed to be about, you know, real estate malfeasance and ill-gotten money and all the rest of this kind of stuff. And the, the blowjob just came up by accident. And it <laughs> did end up causing him a lot of trouble because he lied about it. I mean, listen, mm-hmm. he lied to a grand jury. That's an It's an impeachable yeah. offense. Yeah. It's a crime. I don't defend that. But that wasn't what they were looking for. They were looking for something much bigger, and they just mm-hmm. kind of ended up with the consolation prize. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is crazy stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 amazing to watch every day. And then also the social media has been interesting, too, because there have always been so many layers to protect the president or, you know, someone who could get themselves in trouble with their own mouth. Usually by the time they're saying something, it's been processed enough to where all the danger has kind of been stripped out of it. But not here, not here, Mm-mm. not, uh, not with that Twitter feed. Disneyland is, uh, right here. Uh, we're, we're on the verge. We're, we're about to, uh, head I'm that way. I'm actually leaving tomorrow. Yes. Morning. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. You got to go and, uh, make sure that the whole, uh, the whole Disneyland crew is uh, whipped into shape, right? Ready to go. Yeah. Well, I got to stop and do a softball tournament first. Oh, oh yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. We uh, softball then. We had a meeting with the pet sitter today. Uh, oh, so it was, good. We have such a big family that the pet sitter comes over for like a pregame. Like they, we do a meeting, like a, before we go out of town, pet mm-hmm. sitter comes over and we do like a strategy session and kind of run mm-hmm. over what the days are going to be like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nala is, mm-hmm. uh, our, our, our pit Nala that, uh, we, uh, we adopted from, uh, Marcus is going to, uh, she's got a big couple of days cause she's going to swim camp for two days. Wow! Yeah, really? our pet sitter has a swim camp at her oh house, my God. and so she's going. She's our most high energy. What does uh, that consist of? Uh, so what she does is she goes over. Pet sitter comes to the house three times a day. Mm-hmm. So she uh, in the morning, you know, it's feeding and walking and all the rest of that for the rest of the dogs and the cats. But for Nala, she will pick her up in the morning. And then take her back to the house with her, and she has a, a like a play a swim play group during the day. It's like a summer camp, so I think it's that like five so or six dogs, fun. and yeah, they all swim and get worn out, pool? which is a, yeah, they got a pool there at the house and everything. So that's a that's a How good uh, yeah, that'll that? be a good uh, a good day for her to kind of wear her out. That's so so, so we're going to take the mobile gear, as you heard me say at the beginning of the show mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Frank. Uh, uh, we're going to take the uh, mobile gear with us and uh, do a little uh, little uh, uh, on-location recording from, from Disneyland. But just give everybody an idea, Jennifer, because you're the Disneyland expert. You're our <laughs> Disneyland Sherpa. What, what, what kind of stuff are we doing? What's our, what's our couple of days going to be like Okay. Here? So Monday... Okay, so we're doing Monday, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, we're doing the Disney pools, but yep. you, you guys are going to go, you, you guys are going to leave uh, right. Wednesday morning. So I have the to get fir- back to the prostitution yes. business. <laughs> so the first day, uh, Monday, we're going to do all of the shows, all of the things that, because um, Tuesday we have the tour. So, you know, Frank. Uh, how does this? People don't may not know about this. Yeah, this so, tour, you get a you get a okay, you can yeah, get a so, tour guide at Disneyland. Yeah, How does so this work? you can get um, anybody can get a VIP tour. Can mm-hmm. pay for it mm-hmm. um, if you called up Disney VIP Special Activities, you would they would book you a tour. But because and, and I'm sorry, what what does that mean? I get a so you get a guide. You get a guide. It's a six hour minimum. Okay. And if you're just like if even me, if I just did it and I don't have Frank with me. Mm-hmm. 
you get a tour guide that walks you around. It's you plus nine. Mm -hmm. And all the rides that have fast passes, Mm -hmm. you can go right straight through the fast pass line without having a fast pass. Okay. And those are quick. Those are pretty quick. And those are pretty quick. Now, Frank, if you're what they have, they consider um, like Disney's A-list celebrity, Mm. you get the, your VIP guide will get a black card. Mm. And so that. Apparently (laughs) when you become a celebrity, you get two black cards, one from American (laughs) Express and one from Disneyland. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So um, the black card gets you um, backdoor access to the whole Oh, we have parks. these at the brothel. The, yeah, okay, yeah. It's just a little bit Travis different. Was this is all a, Travis was this a step all... ahead of me. He was already smiling before I... Uh, this is this is the yeah. backdoor access Frank gotcha. uh, is getting. So you yeah. get all um, backstage access to both parks. Mm-hmm. So shows, rides, you literally just walk on the ride. And it, you know, you'll, you'll find out when we go... There's rides that we love, like Cars Land. If we're sitting on, yeah. we'll be in the, like, we'll go through the ride and they won't even have us get out. You just kind of, you, you, we give tell our signal. guide, yeah, the, the tour guide will give them yeah, the. Yeah, Frank demonstrated it for signal. me. It's a little like, uh, it's kind of yeah, like when the queen like, waves <laughs> to people when the, yeah, they give the carriage goes. Yeah, they'll by. ask us. And our, we've had the same tour guide for yeah. forever. So, um, yeah, they know which ones, the Cars cars Land, that we want Toy Story, that we want to do over, so we... Do the through. tour guides get competitive? Because, like, uh, to, to draw another brothel analogy, we have this with girls and customers. Where, oh, yeah. You know, you have the good yep. customer yep. come in, and yep. boy, next thing you know, yep. some other girl's trying to sit mm-hmm. with him, and we got an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, did the tour guides do that as well? Yes, they yeah. do They do that, because um, there's all kinds of celebrities. I mean, they, they have... You know, anybody that goes to Disneyland, that's, mm-hmm. that's a celebrity, big mm-hmm. celebrities, mm-hmm. Um, get tour guides. So they do, um, we've, we actually, the very first tour guide we had, um, Kevin, we had him for, I don't even know how many years, and he was going to school for, to be a paramedic, and he got a job at the, uh, for the San Francisco Fire Department. So we lost him, mm. and then um, we had his wife. Amy forever. Mm-hmm. And now actually Kevin and Amy are really good friends of ours. Mm. Um, we had her forever and then she left Disney and then they transferred us to their best friend, Aaron. <laughs> so now we have Aaron, but it's all in the family though. <laughs> they left you. Yes, they, they, they bequeathed they, you to another yes, they, Disney they, guide. Wow. Yes. And they, they gave us another Disney guide. It's, it's uh, one of their best friends, Aaron, okay. and we've had him for the last, let's see, probably four or five trips. Mm-hmm. So, Okay. He's really cool. You'll meet. Yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll see him. So, He's cool. So what, what this guy does is, so this guy, because of the scenario with Frank, and it, I guess it's basically like anybody who, if you didn't do it, it'd be tough to move around because people would want to stop and do a lot of pictures. Yeah. So stuff, what started right? the whole thing? This is funny. What started the whole thing? We didn't even know that they had that they had this. Yeah. And we, I think Bella, uh, she was two years old, mm-hmm. and we go to Disneyland. It's our first time, and um. We, Frank gets stuck behind these trash cans by the Astro. Um, uh, oh, like by Space Mountain kind of? Yeah, the, mm-hmm. that Astro, I forget the name of the ride. Mm-hmm. He got trapped there. There was like, honestly, it was probably like 40 people surrounding him wanting um, autographs, yeah. pictures, everything. So, I mean, like he couldn't move. It just kept swarming. So... Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I actually called the UFC and I asked them, I didn't know, you know, I was like, is there any way like, do you, can you call Disney? And you call the and UFC? They said, no, they help. I, we're we're, help, we're stuck. Yeah. You, you and some, actually you goons and tank tops. Yeah. yeah. And they <laughs> said, they said, call Chuck Liddell. He goes there all the time. And I think he uses a guide. So I, we call him. And anyways, we end up finding out they do the VIP tour and they it, do this. Can, so we've done is it Frank calling then. while he's behind the trash cans? I, I want to picture him. He was. Him. He was yeah. Call, yeah. He called Chuck Liddell by the trash cans. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. And then he handed me to the phone. He says, if Chuck calls back. Yeah. Answer the phone. So Chuck put you in touch so with the Sherpa. Yeah, they, they, they figured it all out. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then... um. And then that's the rest of the Then you history. got enrolled in the program. We got enrolled in the program, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, and at any time, they can revoke the okay. black card. Now, yes. I asked an uncomfortable question. Because I met the uh, tour guides uh, that you were just talking about, the couple. They came to oh, uh, Kevin and Amy. Dia yeah. de los Muertos with yes, us in L.A. that's yeah. right, that's right. And yeah. so you introduced me to them, and that's I right. asked them this question. I said, now, is there... Okay, because there's, the, the, there's a lot of celebrities of your out there who mm-hmm. you know i mean may have been big in the you know the the <laughs> 80s when new wave was all the rage yes. or something but now uh you don't necessarily recognize the members yeah. of flock of seagulls or something yeah. like that yeah. and so do they have do they ever have to go to somebody and go listen um your star is dimmed a little bit, you know. We're gonna, we're gonna I'm sure you're gonna be back. I'm sure there's big things ahead, but you know, we're gonna, we're gonna see other people for a while. And they kind of indicated that sometimes that happens. Now, I also got the idea though that sometimes it mattered on how regular you were. Like if mm-hmm. you're, look, if they're gonna see you every year and you're in the program mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. They may not want to. They may want to keep that going. But I did get mm-hmm. that idea. I did yeah, get that. they can revoke it. So Frank, we always joke all the time. I tell him, okay. babe, yeah, keep your time. Keep I mean, it it's up. Gonna ha- it's well, gonna happen. You know we but we do? go a lot. Yeah. So. Here's here's what we do, and you'll probably <laughs> you'll probably see it coming before I do. If you ever get the sense, because I haven't gotten to enjoy this yet, so I'm gonna get at least a couple <laughs> of runs out of this black card thing before it's it's yanked. Um, if you get the sense that maybe the the frenzy is starting to die down what we will do is we will plant a few people in the park you and me to come up and you know act oh uh, yeah hysterical yes right just to show them hey you never know when this is going to happen okay that's what we'll do because we want to keep a good thing yes i've thought about that Yeah. yeah give like 10 people, 20 bucks. We'll do it with phone booth fighting listeners. That's what we'll do. We'll say, we're, we're going to get you your ticket to Disneyland yeah, and yeah. just come out there and raise a ruckus and mm-hmm. uh, we'll cue you. You know, mm-hmm. we'll send you the signal. <laughs> from and behind. Just, yeah. Uh, from behind the saf- trash cans. Wild safari. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then they'll, uh, they'll swarm around us. So the deal so is. So Monday. Then, yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah. Monday. So Tuesday. Uh, we have this down to a science. So we mm. used to, I mean, it's it's evolved since we've been going. So yeah. now the our best scenario, we do one day, we go into the park, that's going to be Monday, and we do all the stuff that you don't really need the tour guide for. You okay. know, because Disney has so much stuff to offer that isn't just rides. I mean, mm-hmm. there's Tom Sawyer, uh, Tom Sawyer's Island, there's Tarzan's Treehouse, there's the shows, you know, the shopping, the things to go see, the characters, all that kind of stuff. Although we do get our private meeting with the characters, so that's yes. going to be cool. But um, so we do all that. So Monday, that's going to be that. And the kids, you know, I'm sure we might do a fast pass for a couple rides, but 
it, our schedule's pretty booked on Monday. And okay. then Tuesday, we do the tour for eight hours. That's what we, it's a minimum of six, but we always, eight is kind of like our number. So, mm. and then we end with Fantasmic. But when I called um, Mike from VIP Special Activities, he's awesome. Uh, Britta was worried because you guys about seeing World of Color. She's like, they've got to see World of Color too. And so we're going to see Fantasmic and then race over to California Adventure and they have us um, in the VIP section. It's really nice at 1015 to watch World of Color. Awesome. So we're going to end with two shows. and All right. And we'll do, in eight hours, we'll do mm -hmm. both parks mm -hmm. every single ride. Wow, you can get it all in eight hours. When all you do of them it. in eight hours, yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know what you're yeah. gonna find yeah. people that have gone with us on the tour. Most of the time, you don't think about it, but you you're walking around. You you wait in line for a ride, whether it's 15 minutes or it's an hour and a half. Right. There's that downtime. Mm -hmm. When you have the tour, there's no downtime. You're literally going from one ride to the next to the next to the next to the next to the next. Yeah. So yeah, it's nonstop. It's a All lot right. of walking, but it's, I mean, it's fun. It's yeah. so fun. I can't wait for you guys to go. I, I got to ask you, I mean, mm -hmm. as an adult, you enjoy it for yourself or is it more everyone just asks Frank and I that. kids do that? Listen, because everyone I gotta be honest, I, I'm not a fan. Yeah. <gasps> everyone asks Frank and I that and we love it. We think it's so, it's romantic. There's like, there's just something about what did, what did Frank say? He says, it's like that warm apple pie feeling when you walk through the gates of Disneyland when you Frank always wants to do that like you know sometimes you'll start you know you could we could start in California Adventure he wants to start in Disneyland walking down Main Street he just that feeling he gets oh him I'm sure him and I all go to Disneyland forever yeah well you know we go for Halloween this is our yeah. seventh year our family and it keeps expanding because you know yeah. we have so many family that go yeah so this is our seventh year um yeah. going they try you know the because i thought see i've been once before jennifer and i went for my birthday last year and that's where mm -hmm. we got everything going um and uh it was like i mean i i thought okay amusement park we're gonna have a good time you know roller coasters i mean mm -hmm. it's not that i thought it would suck but there is like a whole other thing. It's just like by the end of, we were there for two days. And by the end of the second day, you're just walking around in this like Disney drunk. Like you're just yeah. kind of like, uh, we need, probably need the, look at this. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's over there. That was fun. Like, I don't know how they do it, but they do it. And uh, so we, I mean, and, and and we don't even like kids. So it's like, you know, you put us in the middle of all those kids. We're still having an awesome time. Oh, so. it's so Yeah, it's so much fun. We love, love, love it. And wait till you see. I mean, Frank, we are, he's got the hat, the pin, the shirt, the yeah. Disney. He's, we're Disneyed out. Yeah. yeah. We've got the ears. I think we have every ear. Well, we've got. ears that they've made, that they we, make. We've got, we did notice that uh, a lot of uh, people, especially like the families would all have a coordinate. We should have done a phone booth fighting uh, <gasps> Disney shirt. Yeah. I know. We should have yeah. done that. Yeah. They'll have the whole group will have Yeah. The whole group will have a shirt. Yeah. 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 They will do that. Yeah. We've done that. We've done that before on Halloween because we do the same thing. So you go on Halloween night but that's the Mickey and Minnie Halloween party. Uh -huh. um, and then we do, you know, Disneyland, both parks, the VIP tour, that. So we usually do two days. Um, so we've done that before, too. But it's so fun. Yeah. 
Well, we'll yeah. have a good time, and uh, we'll we'll post up a little audio postcard from it. Yeah, we've got to post Maybe pictures. We'll have a mere kids roundtable and, and find I, out what everybody I guarantee you, I, w- I, w- I would be curious for Travis to go with us and mm-hmm. experience Disneyland this way. Mm-hmm. Because we, Frank and I have said that too. I mean, I don't know. You know, you have little kids. They're screaming. They're in line for an hour and a half. All you're doing is waiting. You know, I don't know that experience. I mean, I think our cage one time... Um, we had to, I think he waited, um, we had to wait. What did we do? Oh, so when you stay at the Disney hotels, you get an hour early morning. It's called a morning, um, uh, morning early morning access. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Mm-mm. So if you stay at the th- one of the three Disneyland hotels, mm-hmm. you get an hour early into the park than anybody else. Oh, okay. So one morning we decided, let's go and try it and see. Mm-hmm. I just want to see what mm-hmm. to go. What's the advantage? Are there lines? Mm-hmm. What is it? So we go. So Cage, we were. It was the Toy Story ride, and I maybe maybe fifteen minutes we had to wait. You should have seen Cage now because I had to wait my whole. I mean, when we went to yeah. Disneyland, you're waiting an Back hour and a half, forty five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and Cage was like you know, folded in half, his arms were dragging, this is forever, uh-huh. I don't want it, and we were like, Cage, oh my gosh, you're, you're, I don't know, you better get famous, because I don't know how yeah. he's going to go to Disneyland. Get you a black card, start working on it well, now. Well, we, we told Bella, she's she might have to, uh, you know, if she fights too, she might have to... Second generation black second card. Second generation black card, yeah. That's right, just like you guys were handed <laughs> off to another tour guide, Frank can hand down the black card, you know. <laughs> to Bella, yeah. yeah. Sure yeah some so I'll be curious to see what you guys, how the experience uh, is. We're, I think we're going to have a great time. Oh, we, yeah. we had a great time the, the first time around, and uh, I'm, I'm sure Plus, it's it's going to be fun to do it. So uh, we'll be able to to kind of relive it on the show and all and that Frank's kind of stuff. so excited for you to go. Oh, that's the thing. Like you know, it's kind of like when you're drinking and you want somebody else to drink because you want them to feel as good <laughs> yeah. as you. Yeah. That's how the Disneyland trip is. It's like we just want you guys to go. You got to go with us. We want to. It's not misery loves company. It's not that. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Oh my gosh, we love it. I mean, and now we had to cut back on the Disneyland trips because we've found the cruises. Yes. So you know that's a whole other issue for us. We're like addicted to those. Yeah, yeah. We'll, <laughs> at some point we'll see about <laughs> the, the cruises. Cruise, but I, I got yeah. to get on the Kiss Cruise before I do the Disney Cruise, though. I'd like to, yeah, we, I would like to do that one with yeah, you, we need all to, of us. We need to make that. We well, talked he to, did invite us. We talked to Paul yes, Stanley about that last us. year. And uh, so maybe uh, by next year we can i think they do it every november it's already That's booked up said. for this mm-hmm. year but maybe uh maybe and he next said year to we'll call him when we yeah. wanted to go all that right we're gonna make fun. that happen yeah. okay phone booth fighting uh, hey, kiss uh, cruise broadcast speaking of cruises you yeah. guys want to go a uh, uh, great white shark diving cruise yeah no and i'm sure frank won't either a great white so so that's something you divers do uh yeah next uh next summer um, we're gonna go down you off are of kidding Guadalupe me Island. Uh, now, off of Mexico. what does that mean? You do you get in the cages? Is mm-hmm. that what you do? Yep. Oh my okay. gosh! Now this isn't no like way. a cruise ship. This is no. It's a it's a huge liveaboard yacht. It's 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 something. Really oh, cool. now mm. how how do you? Uh, is this like a society awesome. you belong to where the guys decide to get together? No, and do I a, mean it, it, it's a charter. You can anybody can book it online. Oh, how many people get on the boat? I think this one holds almost sixty. It's it's really wow. Great. I'll show you wow. pictures when we get out of here. It's, oh my uh, gosh! Really cool. Frank's like deathly afraid of the ocean and sharks. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we're, we're gonna have to work mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, yeah. He's so funny. He's it, it. He's he's 
you know, we went to Turks and Caicos. We've gone to the islands. He will now get in the water. But mm. when we first started going out, no way. He would not. I mean, he, like, I'll see the ocean from here. I'm fine. Well, this is something. This is mm-hmm. a reveal. We didn't know this about Oh, Frank. yeah. he's He does not like sharks in water. But, like I said, we went to Turks and Caicos, and we even... Uh, um, uh, snorkeled. Yeah. I was thinking wow. scuba dive, but we snorkeled with the kids and him and yeah. Bella, they went farther out. Cage and I did. And I was kind of afraid because the yeah. water just like drops off. It's so mm-hmm. deep, but him and Bella went all the way out there. Yeah. All right. That's interesting. Cause we got, uh, yeah, we got, we got Travis whose last name is diving. I know he's so, Travis T diving. And, uh, uh he's, know. yeah. And it turns out for, okay, well, interesting. Well, maybe at some point we'll have to land meets that water would, episode of, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to keep working on you guys. All right. Yeah. I like well, it. Frank's about facing his fears. He's done some pretty crazy stuff, mm-hmm. you know, repelling off of the Rio and stuff like that. So I think he might, I don't know. We have to ask him. I don't know. That's a big yeah. one. It's All right. Fear. All right. Well, first up, uh, Disneyland, we'll we'll do an episode from there next week. Hey, we also want to remind everybody, if you didn't catch us doing Anything Goes, the new podcast with Forrest Griffin and TJ Lavin, check that out. Uh, there are only three episodes in. We did the uh, third episode with them. It's on YouTube. Uh, you can get it in iTunes and all that. But but Frank and I were in studio for the whole episode. We had a great time doing it. Now they're coming over here. I just heard from them today. They want to come over to the bunker and and uh, return the favor. So so we're going to do that. But uh, check out that episode. Uh, thank you to Earth's Brew, uh, as always, for being a very loyal and supportive sponsor of the podcast. Remember to go to earthsbrew.com. Put in the promo code PHONEBOOTH for 10% off all purchases at checkout uh also real mma goes down uh tomorrow night uh as we tape that's uh, july 21st right here in las vegas at sam's town casino uh i'll be out there if you'd like to come out and watch some great fights with me you know what if you're going to be in the area hit me up on social media i've got a few uh complimentary passes so hit me up and uh if i haven't run out by the time you reach me i will hook you up with those uh just for being a phone booth fighting listener you can uh Go to phoneboothfighting.com for the aforementioned Amazon banner. Frank told you all about that. Also, our official show merchandise is at phoneboothfighting.com inside the store. I'm holding up the uh, limited edition black on black crime uh, t-shirt there. (laughs) We did a limited run of these, but uh, all uh, sizes and styles are available. Travis has on his his blue one tonight. Mm -hmm. We got them in girl sizes too. Mm -hmm. Jennifer's got those. Uh, Autograph Mm -hmm. posters, a bunch of stuff up there. And uh, of course, all the previously aired and archived episodes are right there at phoneboothfighting.com. If you do one thing and one thing only for us, tell a friend. Tell a friend about phone booth fighting. That's what we need you to do. That's how we're going to grow the show. And if you look us up on iTunes, phone booth fighting MMA, click on those five stars. If you have a moment, write a favorable line or two. Frank and I like to read those on the air. I was just looking at a few the other day, and we see you out there posting. And uh, when Frank gets back into country, we will uh, read them, read them uh, together on the air. All right. Uh, I guess uh, I guess that's it. Uh, you should have the uh, the gnome guy 
Hashtag or the Pittsburgh Steelers yes, Garden Gnome. You know yes. what? If that guy is listening, <laughs> have him take a picture. <laughs> yes, you know what? Good idea. Yeah, Jennifer. thank and, you. And tag us. Yes, or tag you, know you guys. Please do. If you are the owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> Garden Gnome that was purchased by clicking through the Amazon banner yeah. at phonebootfighting.com, uh, hashtag or uh, tag us on social yeah. media, and we want a photo. Yes. of the Pittsburgh Steelers That's Garden. Awesome. We will share it with all uh, all the listeners. That's awesome. All right. Well, appreciate you guys doing this late mm-hmm. night. We had to accommodate Frank's uh, wacky schedule over there mm-hmm. in England. So. I know it's like way past my bedtime. I know you got to go to bed. You got <laughs> to get, get up early. Yeah, and I'll see you right. on Monday. That's right. Yep. Well, Jennifer, thank you very much for sitting You're in welcome. for uh, Frank. This it's always fun when you do this. Thanks. So uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I know I I I would never, never never think of telling Frank he's fired, but it's nice to know that we've got a <laughs> we got a good reliable guest host uh, when he's when he's out of town. Thanks. So uh, for Frank Mir and for Jennifer Mir and for Travis over there doing an always awesome job of producing, I'm Richard Hunter, and we will see you next time right here on Phone Booth Fighting. Everybody was kung fu fighting.